the book of Psalms, Psalms 12. I'm going to kind of continue the thought that we started this morning having to do with the importance of godliness. Psalm 12, and let's all stand together if you would. And I want us to read Psalm 12, verse 1, together, out loud in unison. So Psalm chapter 12, and verse 1, this is the cry, this is the appeal that God made, uh, or that the psalmist made to the Lord. Let's say it together, Psalm 12, 1. Help, Lord, for the godly man ceaseth. For the faithful fail from among the children of men. One more time. Help, Lord, for the godly man ceaseth. For the faithful fail from among the children of men. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Lord, today that's a cry that we could easily make. The faithful men fail. And you have told us that in the last days people would fall away. And uh, God, uh, we need to understand how important it is for us as individuals, those of us that are here tonight, to be godly and to be faithful. I'm thankful for everyone that's here tonight. I really am. We've got good folks, and I, pray, I, I appreciate folks that believe that not only Sunday morning's important, Sunday night's important, Wednesday night's important, and, uh, Lord, they don't look for the easy way out. They come to church. And, Lord, uh, help us tonight to get a blessing from your word. Help us to get a blessing from one another, the fellowship that we can have afterwards. And, Lord, help us to exhort one another. And so much the more as we see the day approaching. And that day is going to be when you come to get us and take us out of here and allow us to spend all eternity with you. We're looking forward to that day. Uh, Lord, uh, we pray that you would just bless tonight, take the Word of God and apply it uh, to our hearts and speak to our hearts tonight, for it's in Jesus' name that we pray. All God's people said, Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Turn over in your Bibles now to the book of 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy. We were there this morning. We're going to look at some of the same verses again, but we're going to also look at some verses that precede that. 1 Timothy. This morning I talked to you about the fact that godliness was important and what the characteristics were of someone who is, is godly. Tonight I want to spend some time uh, on, on how do you attain godliness? What are some of the things that needs to be done or that needs to be in my heart so that godliness can be attained? Um, 1 Timothy chapter 4, look down Look down in verses 1 through 9. It says, Now the, the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry, and, and commanding to abstain from meats which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good, and nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving. For it is sanctified 
by the word of God in prayer. If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained. But refuse profane and old wives' fables, and exercise thyself rather unto godliness, for bodily exercise profiteth little. But godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. He begins by saying that in the, in the latter days, people will fall away. And one of the things that will happen, and we're in the last days, uh, people will fall away from godliness. They'll fall away from being godly. And again, the greatest need that we have today is for people to, to desire to be godly in their, in their own hearts and lives and to desire to, to, uh, to fill that void that is obviously in, in our country today and fill it with godly people. Uh, take, your, take your Bibles and turn to 2 uh, Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. The verse that I, I read this over and over and over again every time I read my Bible through. And uh, I've studied 1 Corinthians, I've studied 2 Corinthians. But uh, I talked to a, a pastor. He's, he pastors over in Rochester. And um, he told me that when he started his church, he, uh, he, he took verse 12 of the first chapter and made that verse their church's verse. And I thought it was good. Look down in verse 12. It says, For our rejoicing is this, the testimony of our conscience, that in simplicity and godly sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God, we have had our conversation in the world and more abundantly to you word. He took that phrase in simplicity and godly sincerity. He says we want to be sincere, but we want to be simplistic from the standpoint of we don't want to make it more complicated than it, than it really is. I, I find that sometimes we have the tendency to take the simple and, and make it complex. If you were to ask the average person, what, kind, what, what do you have to do to be godly? You'd get, you'd get a myriad of, of answers, and as you went down the line and got more and more answers, it, you, it would not get simpler, it would get more and more complex. It's just how we have a tendency to do things. And so what, what I want to do tonight is just give you some simple things that can be done in order for us to attain godliness. Now, to be godly means to, to live in obedience to God's commands. Uh, from a principle of love to Him and reverence of His character and His precepts. And again, precepts are not principles. Precepts in the Bible are commands. And uh, that's what godliness is. is just being obedient, loving the Lord, and, and wanting to do right. So I'm just going to give you just, just really a few, not very much at all. In fact, this probably will not be a very long message. But just some things that we can do in order to attain godliness. The, the first thing that we can do is we can realize that godliness is up to me. 
I can't uh, blame my lack of godliness on any person. I can't blame my lack of godliness on any circumstance, any situation. I, I, I can't uh, blame, you know, uh, I'm sure that, that COVID has gotten the blame for a lot of things this year. And, uh, but one of the things it can't get the blame for is our lack of godliness. Uh, because godliness is up to us. In this respect, it's our responsibility. It's our responsibility to be godly. And, and every saved person can be godly. And, and uh, if you're not godly, it's your fault. If you are godly, it's because you pursued it. You pursued it. Uh, you know, you, you can't blame things around you. You can't blame a generation. Uh, you know, I realize that, that uh, different generations have responded differently to the gospel. I, you know, I'm of, I'm of the belief that different areas respond differently to the gospel. And you find that even in the scripture. You know, you find there were, there were two cities that uh, in the book of Revelation, in uh, chapters 2 and 3, God addresses, uh, well, two, uh, two cities, but he's addressing churches in these seven cities. And uh, there's, there are two churches. Uh, one, one is the church at Philadelphia, gets no negative report. And then there's another one, and I can't think of exactly, I can't remember it right now, uh, the name of it. But the, uh, there was another church that, uh, I think it was Pergamos, where uh, there, was, uh, there was no negative report given. In one case, revival was taking place, and that was in Philadelphia. People were getting saved all over the place. God was opening doors that could not be closed, and, 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 and uh, they had opportunities to give out the gospel that was unbelievable. In the other city, there was persecution going on. In the other church, there was persecution going on. And uh, it was not easy, and it was hard. And they were only like 60 or 70 miles apart. They weren't very far apart. So I, un I understand that circumstances and situations and atmospheres and places and things can be different. But none of those things are the reason for a lack of godliness. Because godliness, first and foremost, is up to you and it's up to me. Secondly... You've got to decide that you're going to be godly. You need to decide it. You just need to make a decision that, that I am going to do whatever is necessary. And everybody's life is different. Uh, some folks are, because of the way they live and because of their mindset, some folks are closer to a godly lifestyle than others are. Um, you know, and, and, and it also has to do with, the, you know, sometimes the way you've been brought up. Uh, I, I was not brought up in a saved home. Many of you were brought up in saved homes. That doesn't mean that you have any more of a leg up than I have. Don't ever use circumstances as a reason for not being godly. You know, I've, I've had people say, I, I've actually had folks say, well, I didn't have the benefits that so-and-so had. That doesn't make any difference. You've still got the grace of God in your life. You're still saved. You've still got the power of God. You've still got the spirit of God that is in you. 
So there really is no excuse. Now, I realize we're all on different levels and we're all in different places in our Christian life. But godliness is attainable. And it's up to you and you've got to decide to do it. You, you, it's necessary to have in your mind how godliness will change areas of your life. If, if you're not as godly as you'd like to be today, and you want to be more godly by the end of the week, you can be. You can be. Again, it's your decision. And, and you have to decide. But you also have to look at it and say, okay, if I'm not, then obviously something's got to change. And what is going to change in each area of, of, of my life? How is my home life going to change it, by Friday if I'm more godly on Friday than I am today? Uh, how is my free time going to change? What am, what am I, how am I going to handle that? What am I going to do differently in my free time than I do today? Bible reading. And Bible reading is so important. Spending time in the Word of God and not just reading it. You know, I find, find in the Scriptures it talks about reading the Word of God. It talks about obviously living the Word of God. And we're going to look at that here in just a moment. But it, it also talks about meditating on the Word of God. I, I believe that that is so, so important to spend time thinking on verses and thinking on uh, passages of Scripture that are in the Bible through, throughout your day so that you can take those things and you can relate those things to, to the, the circumstances that you're in at the time. Uh, if, if you're to go from, if you're, if you're to be more godly by, by this next Friday, how's it going to change your prayer life? I guess spend more time in prayer. Are you going to be more serious in your prayer life? Uh, how, how would being more godly uh, affect your recreation? The things that you do to entertain yourself. How would it affect the, the, the friends that you have and who you hang out with? I, I've, I've watched this. I've, I've seen this. I was, I, was a, I was a youth pastor for about 13 years. And, uh, and I saw it then, but honestly, I've seen it not just with kids, I've seen it with adults. Boy, it's so important to pick your friends wisely. Uh, you know, the Bible says that, that we, uh, we have to interact with the world. First Corinthians, Paul dealt with a, a situation of immorality in the church. And he said, look, I'm not telling you that you're supposed to separate yourself from everyone who's immoral, because if you do that, you can't even do business out in the world. You can't do that. But when it comes to save people, there needs to be a difference and you need to draw a line. And, and uh, it's, it's important for, for us to, to realize that sometimes even your friends and the amount of time that you spend with certain people will, will, will change if you're going to be more godly. What about your attitude on the job? You know, uh, I, I think it's, it, it is so important to, to not just be saved in your, in your uh, demeanor and your deportment, just in your home or just in church. It needs to be that way when you go out in public. The, it needs to be that way when you're on the job. People need to see that Jesus Christ truly does make a difference. 
And if I'm not as godly as I want to be today, and I want to be godly by the end of the week, and I, I believe that's, that's attainable goal. That's an attainable goal. You can be godly, but you have to make that decision, and you have to look and see how it's going to affect various areas. It, it uh, will... Uh, uh, you know, affect, uh, affect your, your witnessing. It'll affect your relationship with safe people. Uh, and, and you need to, you know, in your own heart and mind, sit down and say, how is it going to affect those areas? Uh, if you aren't godly and you want to be, or you're not as godly as you desire to be, then you need to ask yourself the question, what has to change? Something has to change. To just, just come up and make a decision after a service and say, I'm going to be more godly, but we don't say how, and we don't say where, and we don't say with whom, and we don't start making specifics, I'll guarantee you, it's not going to happen. You know, for years, we went to, uh, to camp uh, at a camp that was uh, run by Southeast Bible Baptist Church. And, and I always, I, I've always appreciated that camp. I still do. The only reason why we switched camps was because uh, uh, the camp that we go to now has junior and senior, junior, uh, uh, juniors camp and teen camp at the same time. And you don't have to double up on counselors two different weeks. You don't have to make trips two different weeks. Just, it was just, with the size of our church and so forth, it was just a better decision to make. And both camps are good camps. But at that camp at Southeast, one of the things I've I, I appreciated, I've really appreciated, when, a, when a, a young person would go down and make a decision, a counselor would come down and talk to them about that decision. And it's not the idea of buttonholing a kid or trying to pry out from the kid personal information. Brother Crone said, you know, the reason why I want to do that. I want our counselors to be involved with these kids is because I don't want them just to make general decisions. I want them to be specific. I want them to, to, to look at how is this decision going to impact my life specifically. I think that's a, that's a trap that a lot of us fall into. We make a, a general decision, but then we never take it any further than that and, and, and really ask yourselves, how, how are various areas going to change because of it? Take your Bibles and turn with me to Luke chapter 14. Luke 14. And in Luke 14, Jesus is talking about discipleship. He's talking about people following him. And he makes it very, very plain that there is a cost that has to be paid. Uh, he said, uh, if any man come after me, he says, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Well, there, those are some specific things that have to be done. You can't just say, yes, I'm following God. The, the question is, are, are, you, are you denying yourself? Well, yeah, I am. Where? Well, well I don't, I'm not sure where. Well, then you probably aren't. In other words, it's got to apply specifically. You've got to deny yourself specifically. You've got to pick up your cross, whatever that might be, whatever burden, whatever, whatever difficult situation God wants you to bear by his grace. And then, then last of all is to, to follow him. And if you weren't following him before and now you're going to follow him, again, what's going to change? And in Luke 14, 
Look down in verse 27. Luke chapter 14 and verse, verse 27. <clears throat> he says, and, and whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. He's saying, listen, there's a, there's a cost to discipleship. You've got to bear your cross and you've got to follow me. And if you don't do those things, then you can't be my disciple. Down, drop down to verse 33. So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. And in that passage, he talks about counting the cost and, and realizing what it is that you're going to have to pay. And then we're not talking money here, not necessarily, although that might be involved. But uh, uh, we're talking about paying whatever price that you need to pay in order to, to go from the state you're currently in to a, a state of godliness. Then, the, then the, the third thing that we can do in order to attain godliness is, is to practice godliness. And, and in the verses that we read earlier, it says, bodily exercise profiteth little. That, when I was in college, we had gym class that was mandatory. And our theme verse of our gym class was bodily exercise profiteth little. We didn't like gym class at all. But uh, uh, does bodily exercise profit? Yes, it does. But it profits little in comparison to godliness. However, there's a, there's a correlation there. In order to, to get stronger physically, what have you got to do? You've got to apply yourself. You've got to exercise. You've got to practice in order to, to get to a, a physical state that you desire. Well, godliness is the same way. You have to practice godliness, and you've got to do it on purpose in order to get to a state where you desire. Now, turn with me to Colossians chapter 1. We were there on Wednesday night, and I'm going to reiterate it here just a little bit because the process is real plain here. Colossians chapter 1 and look with me in verses 9 through 11. It says, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to declare that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power, Unto, his, unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness. Uh, there, are, there are steps there in order to, to get down to verse 11. And the first step is to be filled with the knowledge of His will. How do you do that? Well, you do that by purposefully, on a daily basis, reading the Word of God. By purposefully, whenever you have the opportunity, Hear the Word of God. Now, obviously, one of the places you hear it is here at church. And so you come to church on purpose so that you can hear the Word of God and respond to it. Um, one of the things that we have in this age that's a wonderful thing is, is we have recorded messages. And, uh, and I've talked to many of you who have, throughout the day, you will, you will listen to this preacher, that preacher, the other preacher. You'll go to a site which has a, a, a number of different preachers, and you'll listen to those. That's a good thing to do. The uh, Bible says, faith cometh by hearing, 
and hearing by the word of God. We need to read it. We need to hear it. We need to memorize it. We need to meditate on it. We need to think on it. And uh, we need to become people of the book. That's, that's, that's the first step. Second step is in this passage, it says, in all wisdom and, and spiritual understanding. Uh, that's, that's when you, you take the, the word of God and you apply it personally. You meditate on it. You, you not only look for the meaning of it, but you see how it fits. And you see how, and again, as, as you see how the word of God fits in your own personal life, God points to the fact that, listen, this has got to change, and this has got to change, and this has got to be different, and this has got to be different over here. And those are good things, because those are the things that God points out to us, that shows us well, where we need to be more godly. Um, you need to spend time praying over the Word of God. And, and uh, in this respect, oftentimes I'll, I'll, I'll ask the Lord, Lord, give me understanding. Um, I don't just do that before I preach, asking for God to give understanding to those that hear the, the message. I, I've, I've prayed that for myself often and, and said, Lord, uh, in, in order, you know, I got to pay attention. There's, there's times when I'll be reading the Bible and I'm getting every word. I'm sure you've had this happen. You know, you're getting every word, you're hearing every word, you're reading every word. But it's going in one ear and out the other. And if you were to, if somebody was to ask you after five verses, what did you just read and what did it say, you'd be hard pressed. Well, uh, there's times when I just have to stop and say, Lord, help me to get something out of this passage. Help me, Lord, to see things that I wouldn't see on my own. And you've you've had this happen where you've been reading a, a passage of scripture. It might be a verse that you've read over and over and over again. And all of a sudden, something will pop out at you and you'll see something that you never saw before. You know what I, I've never heard? I've never heard anybody give a testimony like that about any other book. <laughs> I really haven't. Uh, I haven't uh, you know, heard people talk about uh, other books that they read and say, you know, I read that book 15 times and, there, and I never saw... No, that doesn't usually happen with regular books. But this book is different. This book is alive. The Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any, any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and joints and marrow, and is a discerner. Tell me of another book on the face of this earth that can discern anything about you. Nothing else can, but this book can, and, and God says that it can. And, and so therefore, I need to ask God to give me wisdom and give me understanding and, and look for ways that it specifically applies to your life. And then, of course, the, 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 third, the third step is to walk. Walk worthy of the Lord in verse 10. Walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. And that's when godliness starts taking place, is when we, when we specifically apply it and then start to live it. Actually take it and live it and apply it in our lives. By living God's principles on purpose, we please the Lord, and we increase in our lives in godliness. Now, what's the result? Look Again, look with me down to verse 11. Strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, unto all patience and long-suffering with, with joyfulness. Um, we, get, we get stronger. Uh, as you exercise unto godliness, it makes you stronger in Jesus Christ. And as you, as you get stronger, 
you get, you get more godly and you get more wisdom that God can give you for day-to-day living for Him. There, there are uh, a number of verses, and I'm not going to read all of them, but there are quite a few verses that, that are in the Word of God that deal with this thing about godliness. And I'm going to ask you, you not necessarily to, to uh, look them up, if you want to write them down and look them up yourself later, that'd be fine. But I'm just going to give them to you quickly and, and in closing of this message and just, uh, just read some verses to you and maybe say a, a word or two about them that have to do with godliness and how we, can, how we can apply it and why it's so important in our lives. Psalm chapter 4 and verse 3 says, But know that the Lord has set apart him that is godly for himself. The Lord will hear when I call unto him. When you and I decide to be godly, God does something. He sets us apart. And, and I believe the reason why he sets us apart is he uses godly people. If you want to be used of God, be godly. Be godly. And, and God will set you apart. And he sets us apart not for ourselves, but he sets us apart for him. And he sets us apart for, for his purposes and for his use. In Psalm 32 and verse 6, it says, For this shall everyone that is godly pray unto thee in a time when thou mayest be found. Surely in the, in, in the floods of great waters they shall not come nigh unto him. Uh, when we get more godly, one of the things you'll see is that you'll spend more time in prayer. You'll spend more time talking to God because your desire to be with God and to walk with God is growing. In 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 9 through 11, uh, the Word of God says, Now I rejoice, not that ye were made sorry, but that ye sorrowed to repentance, talking about a situation that they had in the church, and he addressed it in 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. They took care of it, or in between they took care of it, and now he's addressing it in 2 Corinthians. I rejoice not that you were made sorry, but that ye sorrowed to repentance, for you were made sorry after a godly manner, that she might receive damage by us in nothing. Uh, for godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. For behold, this selfsame thing, that she sorrowed after a godly sort, what carefulness it wrought in you, yea, what clearing of yourselves, yea, what indignation, Yea, what fear, yea, what vehement desire, yea, what zeal, yea, what revenge. In all things ye have approved yourselves to be clear in this matter. Uh, and when we're godly, we, we have sorrow over sin. And that sorrow over sin causes repentance. In other words, the sorrow causes a specific change. And, th- and that's something that... that we really need to, to get a hold of is that if, again, if I'm not as godly as I want to be and, and I want God to, to make me more godly, then things are going to have to change. And one of the areas is sin, and it'll change because we get a, we get a sorrow for sin, not a sorrow for sin that just makes us down in the dumps. You know, I've, I, I've talked to folks that uh, have gotten... have, have 
fallen away from God. And uh, yet you can tell they're just sorry that their circumstances in their life has changed, but they're really not sorry that they're far from God. Uh, you know, one of the, 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 I think the keys of repentance is to understand that sin breaks our fellowship with God and that, that that should bother us. I believe that's part of what the sorrow is all about, where that godly sorrow is, because we've drifted from him. And because we've drifted from him, we need to repent so that we can get back closer to him. And godly sorrow works repentance. Uh, 2 Corinthians 11.2 says, Paul was speaking to the Corinthian church. He said this, For I am jealous over you with godly jealousy. For I have espoused you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. Um, because Paul himself was godly, when, when he says I was jealous over you, it wasn't a, it wasn't a sinful jealousy. It was, I want you, I want you, the Corinthians, to be used of God. And I, 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 I want you to get close to God. And it ought to break your heart when you see uh, folks that, that uh, uh, drift from the Lord. I, I'll be honest with you tonight, just, just to bear my heart, we had a whole lot more people here this morning than we had, have tonight. That bothers me. I mean, I preached on godliness, and some folks made decisions. That's bothersome. I, I'm not mad at anybody, but you know what I want? I want the folks of Freedom Baptist Church to be godly people. I want to see God use us as a church, and I want to see God use you, and I want to see God bless your family. Now, and I know I'm preaching to the choir because you folks are here, okay? I understand that, but, but I'm, I'm just telling you my heart. Uh, that ought to be our heart. When we see somebody who's drifted, boy, don't, don't talk about them. Don't badmouth them. Don't run them down. Uh, that, I, I don't believe the Apostle Paul did that for five seconds. You know what he did? He approached them. He confronted them. And he did so with a, with a heart. And he cared for them. And, and as a result, uh, some of the, you know, that you read the tone of 2 Corinthians, it's totally different than the tone of 1 Corinthians. And 1 Corinthians, it really, it's just, it's just a letter of rebuke. But in, in 2 Corinthians, they're doing some things right, and it's causing Paul to rejoice. I believe one of the reasons why there's a change is because Paul had a godly attitude toward them. His, his own spirit was such that it broke his heart when he saw that, that they weren't serving God the way that they could be. In, in 2 Corinthians, um, no, not 2 Corinthians, excuse me. In um, 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 12. It says, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Now, I understand the persecution that Paul was talking about. And the kind of stuff that you and I might go through today is vastly different. I don't know of anybody here who's gone to jail yet because you gave somebody the gospel. But the Apostle Paul did. But that doesn't mean that, that you won't have spiritual pressure on you. That doesn't mean that uh, people won't mock you and won't criticize you. They will. 
And it says, they that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. The preacher that led me to Christ used to often say, if everybody loves you and everybody thinks you're a wonderful person, you're, you're not doing something right in your life. And he wasn't telling folks to be mean and nasty and go, go you know, and rip people's heads off. That wasn't the idea at all. He's saying, listen, godliness ends up paying for it. Because when you're godly, you rub some people the wrong way. You know, uh, uh, and, 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 you know, obviously make sure that it's the message that does it and it's the truth that does it. If your heart's in the right place and you have a, a godly spirit about you and somebody gets mad and somebody gets upset and somebody wants to, wants to uh, do you harm uh, and, on the job or whatever and, 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 and so forth, uh, understand that's, that's a price that has to be paid. You ought to be willing to suffer. You ought to be willing to suffer loss in order to be godly. And then in 2 Peter, in fact, turn with me there, because I, I, I just really enjoy this, this passage of Scripture. 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. And we'll close with this. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. Well, let's start up. Let's start up in verse four. It says, "Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, uh, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust." And again, what's he talking about? He's talking about getting God, becoming godly, and by grabbing a hold of the promises and growing in Christ. And and this is the growth process, beginning in verse five. And besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye, ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But I want you to look particularly in verses 6 and 7. Says, says to add to knowledge uh, temperance and to temperance patience. And then to patience, you add godliness. And then to godliness, brotherly kindness. Uh, godliness is preceded by patience in order to, to uh, uh, pave the way for, for becoming more godly. You need to become patient. And then it's followed by kindness. Uh, godliness brings forth a kind spirit. Uh, yes, Paul was, was uh, uh, definitively tough with some people. Uh, he warned the unruly. But, but he did it because he loved them and he cared for them. Uh, I, you'd, you'd have to say without a doubt that he was a, he was a very, very kind man. Uh, when Demas left him, I was just reading the book of uh, Philemon, and uh, uh, Demas is a co-laborer uh, at the end of the book, and he's greeted by the Apostle Paul. And then later on, you read in, in uh, one of the, the last epistles that the Apostle Paul wrote, he, he wrote, Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. 
Well, uh, why did he do that? I don't know, but I know Paul took it personal. Because he, he didn't say, Demoth hath forsaken God, although obviously he had, because he loved the world. But he says, he's, he's forsaken me, having loved. In other words, he wasn't, he wasn't a co-laborer anymore. Uh, he couldn't greet him as a fellow laborer in Christ. And that's why it is so important for us to be godly. It's, it's something that we can attain, but it's something that we need to desire. We need to choose. We need to do it on purpose by taking the Word of God and applying it to every single area of our life. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, tonight I'm thankful for salvation that I have in Christ. I'm thankful for each one that's here tonight that are saved. I'm thankful, Lord, that you admonish us to be godly and that when you ask us to do that, it's not something that's beyond our grasp. It's not something that's beyond our reach. It's something that's attainable. But it's something that we have to determine to do. It's our choice. And we can't blame anybody or anything if we're not as godly as we ought to be. Uh, sometimes, Lord, it's just a lack of desire. And I, I pray that you give us a desire tonight to be godly. Maybe there's a, an area in our life, maybe several areas, that in order for, for us to change and become more godly by Friday, there's some things that would have to change. There's some things that would have to be different. Help us to look at those specific things and dedicate the changing of those things specifically to you. As we read our Bibles this week, help us to, to take specific verses and apply them to our lives so that uh, you can work godliness into our lives. We're to, to uh, add to our, to our patience godliness. It's something that you want us to have in our lives. I pray, Father, that you'd work in our hearts tonight. And uh, Father, help us to determine this week that uh, godliness is going to be a characteristic that, that people are going to see in us because of the Lord Jesus Christ and the effect that you've, that you've made upon our lives. Bless this invitation and speak to hearts tonight, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand together. Let's stand.